Welcome to episode 238 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights into the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, listeners. So our podcast this week is going to be our last of 2017. Wow, that went really, really fast for me. Um, how about you, Dirk? Did 2017 fly by? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, we might have even talked about it on the show, but scientifically, the older you get, the faster the time passes. Oh, well, that's horrible. So <laughs> I'm glad that's scientifically proven that that, uh, that happens because it really feels that way. It is. It is. Uh, so to uh, sort of celebrate uh, the end of 2017 and going into 2018, first, we want to give some shout outs to the people who make this show possible every week. Um, want to thank Dave Nelson, who is our sound engineer. Thanks, Dave, for eliminating coughs and the occasional siren uh, from the road noise and uh, all the other good things you do. Uh, we really appreciate your audio editing. Uh, it makes us sound good. And your recommendations for how to put together our, our sound studio have been much appreciated as well. Um, to our friend Brian Liston, who uh, puts up the show online uh, every week, each and every week, uh, and works with me on the, on the covers for the show. Thanks uh, so much, Brian. Uh, we've really appreciated your work. Uh, to Eric Benoit, who's our uh, website guy. Eric, you know, uh, couldn't do this without you. And lastly, to our business partner, Johan Sonnen, we've... Uh, uh, drug you along this far, so uh, might as well try to give you some credit too. So, lastly, uh, want to mention uh, a shout out to all our great guests. Uh, we mentioned some of the fine shows we had in 2017. Uh, our guests have been uh, phenomenal, and we thank you for coming on the show. And we look forward to having lots of terrific guests in the new year. One last thanks too, actually, to our listeners. Um, thanks for. Listening to for us, putting yeah, up we're with on. us. Exactly, exactly. No, you know, we, we're trying to say things that we think are useful and, and valuable. And the fact that there are some people out there who think that they are feels good and hopefully allows us to be of service. So thanks a lot. So for this episode, we're going to be uh, looking into the crystal ball and uh, making some predictions for 2018 in the emerging tech space that we love so much. Um, we are going to... Uh, uh, each give you three predi predictions, which you know we're very happy to uh, have you uh, hold our feet to the fire if if we get um, you know the uh, if if we're off in our predictions. So we're so we're gonna do our very best. Um, and I'm gonna start this off, and then Dirk, uh, you you and I can trade predictions back and forth, maybe. Well, John, speaking of feet to the fire, do you remember your predictions from last year, and can we hold you accountable? I didn't do any. You did. Yeah, that's that's right. That's right. Um, I, I was um, in my preparation for the show. Um, I, I actually uh, did not go back and and uh, verify my for predictions. Shame, John, for shame. So accountability. Uh, we, we can do that at the beginning of next year. How's that? All right. We can see whether any of our predictions have come true or not. Um, that, that we can even go back uh, more than one year if if, if we want to. Um, that might that might be fun to to kick off 2018. So here we go with our emerging tech predictions for 2018. Uh, my my first one is that uh, we're going to see 
expansion of AI services in significant ways, and and, and I'll give you an example of that. Uh, in July of this year, um, McDonald's announced it was replacing uh, cashiers in 2,500 restaurants with with kiosks, right? Uh, you know, sort of uh, um, some some AI driven uh, kiosks. So. I think, you know, and I've also seen uh, call systems set up. So, you know, you pull up through the drive through and, uh, uh, you know, call systems can be sort of routed anywhere. Um, so I think it's fully possible that we're going to see AI uh, systems, uh, whether they're bots or, you know, other, other uh, uh, systems like that introduced into our everyday lives, you know, whether it be via uh, some retail outlets or, you know, in the fast food industry, seems like it's ripe for some automation a la McDonald's uh, doing their uh, uh, kiosks. But, you know, not even that, it, you know, you could very well have uh, some kind of AI bot, um, you know, uh, taking your order instead. So, so I think AI automation starts in, in 2018 or, or at least starts, starts to pick up. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's a pretty safe prediction, right? The question is how quickly will it pick up? I mean, um, your prediction is going to come true. That's clear. The question is just, will it be a dribble? Will it be, you know, a a geyser? Will it be a gusher? Um, I, I, and I, I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, but no, that that's very safe. I mean, the one thing I will say is I think, I mean, it, you know, it, it certainly is a smartware solution, but let's, I don't know, you know, calling it AI is a little bit breathless from my perspective. It's, um, it's software, right? I mean, uh, you know, a kiosk um, that can take an order, that's not AI really, right? It's just, it's pretty standard software. You know, you can call it smartware, but um, it's more about, you know, social expectations changing because of our um, model of what we think AI is becoming, which is beyond what it really is, that enables software to be implemented in these ways, from my perspective. So uh, I think your prediction is correct, but I think like the media framing it in sort of an AI context, which, which you're doing as well, I think gives too much credit to AI um, here, because I think these are actually pretty simple things. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I do think there's – so, for instance, uh, Amazon has a bunch of AI running its recommendation engines. Um, and I, I could see sort of simple uh, technology, whether it's uh, chatbots or recommendation engines being baked into these systems. Because ultimately, when you're um, rolling out these things in, in, say, like the fast food context – I think people are going to look for some you some something that makes it better than the human server, right? Like otherwise, it's going to feel like um, you know an annoyance, right? So, so sort of the the self service checkouts are a good example of where I feel like I'm doing some of the work for the retail outlet uh, for them, right? So when I go to Target and I'm checking my stuff out, I feel like I'm doing their job. They haven't introduced that novelty, that recommendation, that that little bit of added value uh, that I think AI could bring to these scenarios. So maybe it's a hopeful 
uh, prediction on my part, but but I, I I do think unless you have something that 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 drives value, it just becomes like self service, and then at that point there is no experience there. It's just me doing the job of the fast food restaurant or the or the retail outlet for them. Yeah, maybe there doesn't need to be an experience. I mean, look, you know, I use the Starbucks app. I'm ashamed to admit that I, I use Starbucks in general, but I use the Starbucks app and, and it's as dumb as dumb can be. I mean, it's it doesn't even say, hey, this was your last order. Would you like it again? It just gives me a rolling list of all the last things that I did order. Um, in terms of connecting me with the right store, just a couple of weekends ago, I'm out with my son and I'm in a part of town I'm not familiar with. I assume it's giving me the nearest one, which I know is half a mile away. It actually gave me one that's 15 minutes away. There's no way to cancel. I have to make this long, odd drive or else lose the – so, you know, the, the, the Starbucks app is, is from a phone to, you know, self-service perspective doing the same thing that these sort of kiosks would be doing in a physical capacity. And it's, it's just stone stupid. So I'm, I'm a little bit less optimistic than you about how bright and experience um, – experience filled that these these things are going to be. Well, I mean, that's a perfect example of where I would want some level of uh, software smarts, right? Yeah. To point you to the correct, you know, location of the, you know, the closest Starbucks. I mean, that's, that's sort of, that sort of sucks, right? You know, you wanted coffee and, and instead of going to the nearest uh, location, you are now going into the next town or whatever. That seems... That seems silly. So ninety something percent of the time, I order. I have two orders. One is just me ordering for myself the exact same thing. Two is me ordering something that both you and my wife happen to have. So I order mine and and yours or hers with it. This the dumb thing doesn't even say here are the two things you do every freaking time. Pick which one you. I mean, un, it's anyway. Anyway, we've belabored this probably. Right. So so AI could help out maybe um, with these kinds of services and and. Uh, perhaps in in 2018. So, Dirk, what's your uh, uh, first prediction for the uh, the year 2018? So, yeah, and, and let me let me preface by saying, I mean, in some past years, I don't even participate in these because I think predictions for the next year are a little silly. Um, I think they're silly in general, and for me in particular, I'm generally interested in sort of bigger, more macro trends. So it's kind of not my jam either. So with all of that. Um, <laughs> with, with all of that explaining uh, and, and excuse making um, aside, uh, my first prediction is I think we're going to see um, the AI and the VR hype train slowing down a little bit. It's already been happening with VR. You know, it was a, a couple years ago, the VR was kind of having a moment. A lot of top talent and VCs were running to the space, started to slow down. AI has been having a similar thing going this year in 2017. I think that's going to slow down as well. Now, in the in the longer now, the importance of AI in the context of smartware and where we're going with technology remains similarly um, important. And it, it will, again, become a media darling as it's doing things that are more um, important and effective and varied. But we're in a moment now where it's a little fallow, you know, where we're getting the, the negative reports on like IBM Watson Health, for example, and it was way too much hype. It's not everything that it was cracked up to be. So the the sort of marketing promises are meeting with the reality that's more humble. From a longer term view, it's still important. It's still powerful, but it's a lot more humble. And I think as as a result, we're going to see 
um, a, a lack of sort of the breathless excitement of, of future life and virtual worlds tamped down in 2018 in, in comparison to this year and the, the couple years preceding. Yeah, that seems, you know, fully possible. I, I would say that there always needs to be hype around something. So if you recall, uh, uh, you know, a couple years ago, Internet of Things, you know, rece- certainly received uh, some of that. And, you know, this year, for sure, AI has been uh, the, the, the drums have been beating very loudly. So so I would agree with the caveat that, you know, I, I don't know what the hype cycle is going to pick up and lift up. Uh, you know, perhaps it's, uh, I don't know, space travel, uh, uh, you know, something else, genomics, uh, I'll ex- robotics. I'll extend my prediction to say robotics. I'm seeing more and more about, I, just this morning I saw this thing about Nuncanny Valley showing sort of a, a female Japanese robot and saying what the robot faces we pick say about us. I don't even know where I saw it, but um, I'll pick robotics as the thing that's going to get more of the hype cycle. All right. So my second uh, prediction for 2018 is is a little more adventurous than my first one, uh, which you uh, uh, took apart and rightly so. Um, I, I think we're going to start seeing uh, automated uh, driverless trucks on the road. Um, there is uh, sort of the debut uh, from Tesla of the uh, um, uh, driverless uh, 18-wheeler. And I think that uh, that in in sections of the country where there are very long uh, highways with it without a lot of uh, traffic coming on and off, I, I think you're going to start seeing uh, you know pilot usage of, of of automated trucks, and and that will probably cause some consternation too. Maximum overdrive, baby. Yeah, if, you know, with any luck, we'll we'll get the Stephen King equivalent of the automated trucks, and that will put an end to that. But uh, there's there's prediction number two. Dirk, uh, uh, what's your uh, second prediction for 2018? Well, John, I mean, let me be the peanut gallery on yours as always first, right? No, I think that's a good prediction. I mean, you know, now there's reports of this company bought an Tesla trucks or somebody else trucks. Like we're seeing those stories already. And it seems like a logical next step that we'll start to see them in the wild in a more meaningful way. I agree with you that it is more likely to be limited, which is to say, you know, you were saying, hey, you know, maybe out in the Rocky Mountains, far west, um, open open spaces area. That's as good a prediction as any. Um, you know, we may also start seeing it on hyper local in hyper local ways as well. Um, but yeah, I like that. Cool. Yeah, I, I, I could definitely see uh, if if I were uh, you know having some more free time, I I could totally see. Uh, a bunch of geeks going out and trying to spot automated trucks. Um, that that seems that seems like something I would have done in college. You know, oh, to take a trip and see if you can spot one. Nice, nice. So, yeah, my next prediction um, sort of ripped from the headlines. Uh, Target recently purchased Shipped, which is a same day shipping company, for about half a billion dollars, and uh, you know, sizable investment. And it's part of their strategy for taking on Amazon. Um, the, the full details of which I'm not um, exposed to. But my, my prediction is that to whatever degree Target is planning on competing with Amazon in 2018, it will be judged a failure. Uh, Target is not equipped to compete with Amazon. Target for a long time has sold particular products within a certain um, consumer expectation. There is just no way in hell that they're going to be able to compete with a company that 
is selling basically everything and their brand is elastic to the point of selling basically everything. Target is fighting a losing battle and you know maybe they can buy themselves more time, maybe they can buy themselves more relevance, but if if their goal is to take on Amazon and win or take on Amazon and really compete in a way that they could be seen as competitors, not a giant and a uh, a fading um you know a fading uh, company, it's it's just not going to work out for them. So that's my second prediction. Yeah, I think um, so. Target has a, has a lot of things that that I do like. Um, their online service is not one of those, um, and and I do like Target for you know uh, sort of the the integrated. Um, experience that I have when 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 I go to their stores that they have, I, I can make one stop and sort of pick up all of the things that, that I need. Um, if there was a way that they could uh, create an ecosystem where some of that stuff was coming to me, especially the stuff that I forgot, right, um, and just sort of showed up. Uh, that would be you know really helpful. And and I'm talking about, I mean, I use their their grocery, uh, uh, you know, like once a month for things. If, if that could, if they could in a smart way, identify the things I'm buying and just, you know, sort of help me manage that. Um, I think there's an opportunity there just because target is, you know, they have a lot of physical outlets. So someone is going to master the, the, uh, digital physical handshake there. I think, um, Amazon is trying to do that. That's why they're experimenting with all these different kinds of retail outlets, whether it's grocery or they have that magic bus where you can get stuff uh, from Amazon or, you know, any of their other experiments. Amazon, they even have bookstores, Amazon, right? They have a couple of those that they're trying out. So someone's going to figure out how the digital uh, e-commerce and physical uh, commerce uh, work together. Um, But Amazon by far is just dominating the digital big time. And if they figure out that handshake that, uh, then it's, you know, then other people are in some big, big trouble. Yeah. And I mean, Target is way behind both Walmart and Costco as two examples for brick and mortar retailers. I mean, for them to compete with Amazon is rubbish. I mean, they can't even compete with the people who are their true natural competitors. So, uh, this just has stink written all over it for me. All right. Uh, moving on to my third prediction for 2018 is is in a category that I am uh, uh, very much addicted to, and that is uh, around TV watching. Um, mm. You know, I, I what lo- the hell's TV watching? Though? Yeah, well, let, let's say screen watching, right? Like, so I, I love my sci-fi shows. I admit it. Um, uh, I, I love binge watching shows. Uh, always have. So um, there's a big potential merger in the works with uh, Disney um, and uh, Fox, right? Mm -hmm. 21st Century Fox or what are they? 20th Century Fox? I I forget. It's 21st Century now. Are are they still even called that? uh, Maybe they're just called Fox now. You might have dated yourself, buddy. They they were 20th Century Fox at one point. In like the 60s? Disney and Fox are potentially getting together, which has a huge treasure trove of – uh, content, right? So you've got Disney owns Marvel, it owns Lucasfilm, um, and now potentially it has you know this this back catalog that's enviable. So 
Um, they also own part of Hulu. And this, this level of content uh, integration is going to make them an able competitor, potentially, uh, to the Netflix juggernaut. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see um, there being a streaming services war a la, you know, sort of the sort of the the big network competition of, of the 80s. You know, there were there were three networks, maybe four if you count Fox in there in the in the 90s. But, you know, there's there's a potential for for uh, a streaming video competition that we have not seen before because nobody has been able to bring it up, you know, to the level of Netflix and provide uh, sort of that that broad um, viewership and and sort of uh, uh, total membership that that would make it a competitor. I don't know if Disney can can really do it because it does also uh, require a certain attention to detail around the technology uh, that I don't know if they have or not. They they might. Um, They've got the money. Yeah, they they could buy it certainly, and Hulu's been you know upping its game you know bit by bit, um, but I think Netflix has a real potential competitor for the first time, and I think we'll start to see them butt heads um, in 2018. It's it's an interesting space that you're putting your finger on. You know, we were uh, my wife and I were just talking last night about how Netflix is becoming for for us um, increasingly irrelevant. Maybe that's um, unique to us, but we're finding more value in Hulu um, or, or Amazon. You know, we're looking for Christmas movies for the kids. And there's nothing, you know, all the things that the kids would like that are good and hot. None of it's on Netflix. None of it. Um, it's, it's just all of these old kind of rubbishy things. Um, so I, I think that this is a space that's ripe for disruption right now. You know, we, once upon a time, it was just Netflix. Now we've got, and, and now I'm speaking more, I haven't researched it. So I'm speaking more to our viewing habits, but we're not paying for Netflix and Hulu and Amazon. There's another service. I'm not going to remember the name of it, but they've sort of taken all of the classic movies and they've cordoned those off. And if you don't want to buy them, if you want to watch them, you have to do this other service. Just out of frustration <laughs> that they've done that, I haven't subscribed. But I like classic movies, so that's one I might. You know, CBS is like doing their own thing. You'd have to pay extra for that. I've chosen not to. So it's very splintered. And it, it, there's a lot of... Um, very uh, weak services right now, in my opinion. Um, more and more, I'm just buying things on Amazon, which is you know kind of a waste um, waste of money unless their platform becomes the one to rule them all. So uh, you know, to your specific prediction, um, I, I think it's interesting. I think that maybe the more interesting thing underneath it is that this is a space that's ripe for big changes over the next few years of sorting this out in either further diffusion of all of these little services, which becomes more like cable TV, you know, package choosing just on a different delivery platform, or it starts to consolidate more again into some more valuable services, um, which would be worth paying more for as well. So yeah, it's an interesting space. All right. And uh, for your final uh, prediction for the new year. Yeah, so you know, not not a big one, but I mean, Amazon. I'm thinking a lot about Amazon. My my earlier prediction involved Amazon, but um, uh, Amazon. My prediction is Amazon is going to continue to fail at least for the next year, competing with niche players. So, 
An example of that is Etsy. Um, Amazon has been trying to compete with Etsy for a number of years now and isn't doing a good job of it. And you know the reason is that Etsy is tailored to this very boutique, specific, small business, personal platform. And Amazon is this Goliath of sort of generic. What makes Amazon great is the genericism of it, the universality of it. And when you're looking to for example, with Etsy, buy something that's very personal, very custom, very arts and crafts. It's largely incompatible with the things that would make an Amazon so so great. Uh, you know, Amazon has failed to compete with Etsy, failed to compete with like Shopify for uh, making, uh, allowing small businesses to make websites easily that can handle transactions and in lots of different ways. And so Amazon continues to make these big investments and create these new platforms and trying to smash out these small competitors. They probably should just chill and kind of let it go or have a very different strategy that is uh, more about creating a, a true competitor, not the Amazon you know monolith, but having something that is branded differently, something that can truly, truly compete while in back-end ways leveraging the Amazon platform. So the, and in any event, the prediction is in 2018, Amazon will continue to fail uh, competing, competing with these smaller providers. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because Amazon does have its fingers in, in a lot of different pies, and it's really hard to, um, it's really hard to tell what combination of factors make it um, a good business for Amazon to go into. Um, and so your identification of like, hey, maybe this is really a niche thing and, and, it's, and it's therefore going to be served better by a, a group that cares deeply about that niche versus like, hey, uh, you know, I, I don't know how well uh, Amazon's hardware is doing, um, but, but I like uh, at least some of it, like I like their Fire tablets, and and I do like the Echo, um, and they seem to be making headway on on you know the smart home and the sort of content delivery, which you know the Fire tablet is just a a Trojan horse to get you to buy your you know Kindle books or Amazon Video or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I think in those sort of uh, natural extensions uh, into hardware. I, you know, I think I think Amazon has found some success, whereas, uh, you know, in, in your example, uh, with the Etsy uh, competition, you know, they're they're not able to replicate it. So uh, it does raise a question for me, like when, you know, what are the factors that make Amazon's experiments work? Um, I'd love to dig into that more in the new year, too. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to the digitallife.com, that's just one L in the digital life, and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody, so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. You can find The Digital Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. Thanks again for your support this year. Our audience has grown, downloads are up, and we have some great things in store for 2018, so please stay tuned. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. -T. 
And of course, the whole show is brought to you by GoInvo, a studio designing the future of healthcare and emerging tech, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at DNemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening. So that's it for episode 238 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next year. Mm-hmm.